So, hi. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you made it to the third episode, super excited. So, today I have a very special guest, my childhood best friend, Stephanie. And why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Stephanie. Eliane and I met when we were like nine. And Eliane's mom gave me a really formative puberty book (laughs) when I turned nine, I think, or 10. Um, And that is like basically the root of our friendship. Yeah, I'm a history major. I'm a third year history major. And I guess I've always been like super into like community work and like interrogating I guess like the dynamics at play in our lives and how they're tied Mm -hmm. to like institutional things and just like kind of uncovering or rediscovering like that history and like recontextualizing like all the things that I thought were natural when I was a child so I guess like um uncovering our biases yeah like I just I don't know like I think like like now with the knowledge that we have looking back on things that I thought were normal as a kid and being like, no, this is abnormal, a manufactured normal to like make me as like a kid of a certain demographic, obviously Mm -hmm. like not have a problem with these things. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I guess like recontextualizing like my memories um, is something that's been super interesting as I've gotten older. And also as I've like moved out of my town and like Mm -hmm. gone to college and then obviously like um like my parents are both like Mexican immigrants mm-hmm. as it's like mo- like mostly Latino um or like immigrant like communities that were from and that were like studying I guess yeah so yeah okay thank you I love that introduction what's your personal understanding of what environmental racism is like did you like growing up have like an understanding of it not really all these elements of like you know things that cause harm to the environment Mm -hmm. slash cause harm to our communities have just were just kind of naturalized when I was growing up and I kind of like took them as like normal like oh this is just something everyone experiences no I I think so like and I feel like a lot of people kind of have like resistance to saying Mm -hmm. environmental racism because they view like the environment as like this omnipresent thing that can never like be racist but it's not that like like, hurricanes are choosing to like center you it's just because like the people and the institutions are failing like specific communities I guess yeah no that's so true like I think like the way I see environmental racism is just like how the upkeep of this like current system which is unsustainable mm-hmm. like one is like uniquely impacts us like in terms of like pollution and things like that but also um our relationship to it in like a labor sense Mm-hmm. about how also like we are uniquely like um more like we're like more likely to like upkeep these institutions because these are like industrial jobs and industrial jobs typically go to like people who don't have an education or mm-hmm. who want to access like um yeah like certain demographics definitely like um and not only just like refinery work or things like that but also just like like just working near these places and how things are zoned and it's it's very interesting and something about yeah. this day I guess is like or I don't know if it's like I feel like this is true of all of Los Angeles but like the experiences of like the the socioeconomic positions of communities like can change like drastically from like one city to the next yes like drastically so like just thinking about that and just thinking about like how drastic those differences are in terms mm-hmm. of like landscape as well and thinking about things like more critically and like 
bringing geography into it um, has been like really interesting, especially as like a beachfront kind of area. Mm-hmm. Like, who's closer to the beach and who's farther from it? Yeah, um, like who looks like you, who lives where you live, you know? Yeah, I guess like I guess like because Los Angeles, there's just so much geographic diversity. Thinking about that and in, in along the lines of race and also along the lines of like environment mm-hmm. um, and how those all come together to create like this kind of like phenomenon that we know is like environmental racism is like super interesting. Yeah. And also you just reminded me of you were talking about with oil refineries and jobs. Like I never looked at it that way of like it's most like those are coveted jobs. How would you describe that? Like I know people from like our um, home high school, like Carson, mm-hmm. like mostly men didn't go to college for one reason or the other or couldn't go mm-hmm. or like now like invested in like Tesoro and like these other companies one because they're like unionized as opposed to like a lot of the other work accessible to like people who don't have an education mm-hmm. so it's like a big aspect of just like the salary which is just like a lot different than like other like similar like blue collar jobs mm-hmm. on the one hand it's like this like whole economic thing like people are economically compelled to like want to have these jobs but also it's like a I also think like just the culture of like unions is mm-hmm. also pretty compelling um yeah like knowing that like you have this negotiating power because your work is like important to like keep these corporations going is like pretty interesting yeah because they're like essential in our society essential facility. yeah yeah they're like one totally essential like just the degree mm-hmm. we rely on like fossil but the way that we like where we put them and like in proximity if you're a person of color you're I forgot how many more times likely to live next to um a refinery and it's not like a statistic that's based on um income or anything it's mostly mm. race which is very like suspicious but I mean that oh has that's to do with, like, so interesting it has to do a lot with redlining yeah and how um areas where people of color live are devalued more and so Mm -hmm. the land is cheaper and then they're able to build those things so it's not like this kind of thing where like companies are purposefully looking for to be the most evil it's just like it's cheaper and they do that but like that's how like racism and capitalism and like the history of segregation kind of like intertwine and like we're in this big mess that we can't get out of yeah it's not like a it's not like the the environment has a morality yeah and it's not like these companies are being deliberate it's just like this all these all these factors come together Mm -hmm. like the bottom line just make it like like if the land is cheaper then naturally like companies are going to want to like have a a place there yeah just the the credibility and the people power of like white communities Mm -hmm. can be really impactful because they know how to navigate government affairs they know how to like appeal to these people like mm-hmm. um also like there is like a threat to like have a refinery there or something like that they they are better equipped to like fight it uh-huh no actually in the first episode i was looking into the history of carson so mm-hmm. carson was unincorporated until like i think the 60s and 50s so it's a relatively new city mm-hmm. and so for many of its history it didn't have any political power any, so that's why there's so much industry in Carson because wow. like neighboring cities like Torrance and Long Beach would put all the garbage dumps in Carson. Yeah. And like the people there didn't have any like political autonomy and ability to say like, no, I don't want that. So it's yeah. like, kind of crazy how that like 
that still exists today. That is so interesting because I know Harbor City Mm -hmm. is actually technically part of the city of Los Angeles. Uh Uh-huh. And they're like, you know how we have our own mayor and stuff? Mm-hmm. Like they don't have, there's no Harbor City mayor. Yeah, I was, I was kind of confused by that. So I'm also thinking about in terms of that, like it must be like a whole conundrum to like appeal to a city that big and with that much infrastructure. Like it just must be like a whole like bureaucratic nightmare. Yeah. To try to stop stuff from happening in your community because you're basically in a sense unincorporated. Yeah, yeah, you don't have anything. Yeah. And like, you know, what's interesting is that Long Beach and LA County are like the most polluted or among the most polluted places in the nation. But in LA County, if you look at it, it's the most polluted places are not like Beverly Hills. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. It's just places like Carson and Harbor City. Yeah. Yeah. And also I'm thinking about like how the neighboring town of Harbor City, Lomita, Mm -hmm. they have their own mayor, even though they're also like pretty tiny yeah and a lot of in Lamita um it's like pretty racially different than Harbor City mm-hmm. it's mostly like white and Asian Americans which Harbor City is like more like black and Latinos yeah uh you went to school in Harbor right yeah is it Wilmington or Harbor it was Wilmington sorry I didn't mean to dox you but it's called uh- <laughs> <laughs> but like I mean yeah like I can probably speak to I mean I was born in Harbor now, yeah. I, now I'm really doxed <laughs> which hospital no, <laughs> I will just <laughs> um yeah so I wanted to ask you specifically about your school yeah so my school was kind of a nightmare in terms of that like one it was right next to a refinery like the refinery that we're talking about mm-hmm. like a very very close proximity Two, it was like built on top of a swamp so like just a bunch of like uh things like pertaining to like infrastructure and just like I think like in the past like mold was a big problem like Mm -hmm. asbestos and like things like that um so yeah just like it's geographic positioning um yeah and like the the thing about my school is that it's like super young I think it was founded like early 2000s maybe Uh um so something that's been kind of alarming to me like recently is just thinking about how there's no like long-term kind of knowledge Mm-hmm. about the effects of being in such a space especially for teachers who are there for like more than four years uh-huh huh. so I've been thinking about that lately um yeah and it's just I don't know like it, it's not only like the position of the high school itself but all obviously like the position of like the surrounding community mm-hmm. and it's like predominantly Hispanic right yeah it was like literally like probably 60 to 70 percent Hispanic um and like 99% people of color yeah yeah so like very much like a like a a school that like tried like was community serving like Mm -hmm. you know and then also like the community college yeah in the in proximity to it um also is like you know like a community beacon is like where people from the community like um seek education and stuff so yeah it was very much like um the the effects like were very apparent along like yeah I guess yeah no and it I don't know. I think there's something like, I don't want to say dehumanizing, but like uh, demoralizing if you're like in class and you like look over and there's like a refinery. Oh my God. Yeah. Like totally. As a, when I was in high school, I have like a distinct memory of like being like 14 or something and like looking outside of the window during PE Mm -hmm. and being like, it looks like the hunger games. (laughs) Like just seeing like the, yeah, like you said, like 
there obviously there's also like the the physical effects like pollution yeah. and things like that but there's also like, this whole like psychological thing mm-hmm. of like being exposed to that image for so long yeah yeah I think that's something I've been learning to unpack yeah. it's like first of all I don't even know the environmental um impacts of like living I guess in Carson with like mm-hmm. so much pollution but like the mental part it's like you look around and you're like oh is this what I deserve you know yeah. obviously it's not what you deserve it's what you've been given I guess but I don't know it's like I don't know it sucks um so I remember I think Eliza posted the there was a Patagonia do you know what I'm talking about oh yeah there was like some campaign thing. yeah there was a campaign to stop neighborhood drilling yeah and, like Patagonia is like this very like eco-friendly like company and stuff and it was um like a picture of a, a park and then the refinery in the back yeah and that's the same refinery you see from your school right yeah <laughs> that was kind of bizarre it was bizarre uh, obviously I mean I don't know the extent of like Patagonia's mission or whatever yeah but um the fact that 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 was like our my city's image on like a national level like, yeah that's what we're known for basically <laughs> it's It's like like, oh are are we the um people we need to save (laughs) yeah it's kind of like a little bit like sad like um yeah yeah like once you once you get that perspective like of Mm -hmm. like a Patagonia or whatever yeah um you you like the the effects of like what you've been living with like your entire life like just Mm -hmm. start to like um get like you you realize the the impact of them yeah or so much more like exponential than you could like ever even conceive of especially when you were a child and mm-hmm. yeah, you guys, you got, I guess you like kind of like settle in and be like, oh shit, like this actually is really bad. Like if, if we're getting national attention. No, it was insane. Yeah. Like, just like realizing that people are looking at you. Yes. And, yes. And like looking at your community and being like, we need to send them help. Yeah. Like, like what is like, happening? Being like wrong? the subject of pity. Yeah. Th- thank you. Pity. It's yeah. Like, like so after strange. like yeah after like this just being your regular environment for so many years Mm -hmm. that like that just kind of like makes it click a little bit like Mm -hmm. like damn like I guess things really are that bad yeah no it's it's insane just thinking about that and like I don't know I mean I also okay for you personally what would you use to describe the landscape of Carson you know it's been known as part of the diesel death zone so (laughs) oh my gosh no yeah 100% there's like you know something I never even noticed until now is that there's kind of a lot of fracking in Carson too yeah like um like an almost like an every other strip mall or like large store within a mile there's fracking yeah there's always fracking there's like fracking at like our local target or our local grocery store blah Mm -hmm. blah blah and yeah, again like as a kid like I have such an uh, abstract understanding of like what exactly this is so I just assumed it was a normal thing that like yeah communities have until like I realized like years later like no this is like um you also go to other communities that are similar demographics and you see the same things and you're yeah, like oh, everybody yeah. just has like a giant yeah, you're brain local. going into yeah the and then like as a kid I was obviously like very fascinated by this like teeter-tottering object like the fracking like machine it was like cool no I know which one you're you're talking about the shell one Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's very vivid in my head right now yeah um yeah like growing up I just remember like drives across that like humongous 
field Mm -hmm. where there's fracking or like just like um weird like stuff environmentally going on like you know like drives through Carson like the image of the refinery Mm -hmm. is very much embedded in like what I conceived of as home like even like a child like if I was going from Long Beach to Carson like that refinery kind of marked like oh I'm in Carson now like (laughs) that that was like my symbol of what the city was no I think that's actually fair yeah um yeah and like I don't know I always I've been thinking about it recently like if you drive down like so if you drive down 20 minutes and you're in PV and it's suddenly like cliffs and the ocean mm-hmm. and it's so beautiful and giant houses mm-hmm. and you realize like you don't have to live like this I don't know mm-hmm. yeah no that's it's, so true because like that was like kind of the escape that's where we go to breathe fresh air and go hiking yeah you yeah can't really go hiking in Carson there's been so many times where like I don't know if you remember in elementary school how many times we weren't allowed outside because yeah. the air was dirty. No, <laughs> no, you know, like there was a refinery also, fire, and that was just kind of commonplace. It's so bizarre, like even how these images are codified in our minds. Like when I was a kid, mm-hmm. passing by the refinery was like kind of a majestic experience, just because of how like huge and yeah. powerful it was, like a behemoth, and it has like the American flag on it. Yeah, so like. So, like, the way that that was coded as, like, cool. Yeah. Big. Like, oh, I want to work there. And awesome. Yeah, yeah. I was so STEM, um, like, pilled, I guess. Like, yeah. I honestly was like, yes, industry is so cool for so That's much. That's, like, fun. a little bit of a, hmm, thinking. Hmm. Like, all those, like, the STEM pop-up. Like, now we're, like, in the past, like, 10 years, like, all these, all the Carson middle schools and high schools are, like, st- like, focusing on STEM yeah and like you go to like rich like schools and stuff and they're not learning about STEM they're not doing that they're like learning how to enrich their mind and reading Plato or whatever yeah like it totally like that's that's an interesting thing to think about that I haven't thought about yet it's just like um how much our investment in like teaching poor kids of color STEM is Mm -hmm. in our how much that's rooted in like the motive to like keep them in these industries yeah like recruit them into these industries like I I remember reading that like the original school like the structure was to like make factory workers or but now we need people who know how to code Mm. and like not necessarily to become the next Bill Gates but to like work for them yeah totally and I guess like just think about we also girl bossed it like I don't know like (laughs) women in STEM why was it so important that I yeah like first of all like this is like a little bit unrelated but like when West Point came to our middle school I was thinking about it our middle school like not even high school like our middle school like literally we were children yeah and they were like basically like and we all thought they were so cool like yeah and they were like the way that they were reorienting our interest in STEM to Mm -hmm. serve like the military yeah no that's horrible really interesting Mm -hmm. um and I, I think like definitely like it, the same is probably true of like petroleum engineering and mm-hmm. things like that um just like reorienting like kids like natural inquisitiveness yeah like this yeah it's like a little bit like obviously I don't know how like deliberate this is but um just like which schools they choose to go to and which schools they ignore is like very telling yeah this is kind of off topic but this high school I went to was founded by like all these like big engineering things like Boeing and Northrop Grumman like it was on the door Mm. but the CIA came to recruit at our school in secret oh my (laughs) 
And I always think about that. The CIA? Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, they could have been there when I was there, but they didn't want me. And so. isn't that bizarre? Like, um, like, doesn't, don't both those companies make like surveillance tech? Yeah, no, here? definitely. And like, and now they're out here recruiting the war mongers, mongers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, and most of these kids are like children of immigrants in relation to like, like the whole environmental racism thing. Like, yeah, how complex our community's relationship is to these corporations mm-hmm. is like, it, it makes it seem like them leaving is like an impossible, like, it's just impossible. Yeah. Like, like people are like, oh, we'll lose jobs. Yeah, yeah. Like just how much they like intertwine themselves with like our livelihoods. Uh huh. It's just like this weird like dynamic, like almost like Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, no. And honestly, um, I forgot to mention this. You know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can't read my mind. I'm talking about the um, the pumpkin. Oh my god, I was literally gonna mention that. Okay, okay, I'm trying to find the name of it. Did I not write it down? I don't know the proper name, but that was something. Okay, okay. So what we're talking about is that every year around Halloween, there one of the refineries, like one of the tanks, I guess. I don't know. I don't I don't know what they're called, gets painted like a jack-o'-lantern. So it's bright and orange, and every little kid goes there. Well, I did that. And gets popcorn, like kettle corn, from an oil refinery. And that's- yeah, that was like that pumpkin thing was within view of my high school. <laughs> so every year for four years, it would like be a thing. Like, oh my gosh, like the pumpkin is back. Yeah. yeah. No, I thought it was cool. I was like, yeah, I thought it was cool too. For us. <laughs> yeah. His name is Smiling Jack. An oil tank. <laughs> yeah, like so interesting. Yeah, and I don't know. I I don't think. Like getting other communities have that. That's not happening in PV. Yeah, like getting going trick or treating at an oil refinery just feels like extremely dated. Like, yeah, no, that's like something of like, it feels like something of like the 1900s. (laughs) Like, like, you know, like Industrial Revolution, Gilded Age. Like, it it seems like something. Well, it is very old. It's um, like around 70 years old. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Some traditions need to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, that always sticks to me. Like, thinking, like, I used to go trick-or-treating at an oil refinery, and they would give me kettle corn, and I would eat it. <laughs> yeah, and you would love it. And I would love it. And I, I was so excited. It was a tradition. Yeah. And kids are still doing it today, and they'll probably do it until I die. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, again, like, just the ways in which they, like, cement you and, like, yeah, yeah, like, like, the way that that makes you think, like, oh, that's Carson, yeah, that's, like, that's that's Long Beach, that's pertinent to, like, your understanding of, like, your home city, Mm -hmm. yeah, like, if Carson were to get rid of all its industry, industry yeah, then, like, what would Carson be? Yeah, exactly, there's nothing here, there's a printing museum, Oh, <laughs> we should turn into a printing mecca. We can become a printing city. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, that would be a fun rebrand. <laughs> Actually, fun fact, I love Carson so much. I was a winner of and an honorable mention of the Why I Love Carson essay. Wait, girl, I won that. <laughs> I won it in like third grade. Third grade? Or I don't know when I won it. I think. 
I won it once in elementary school or I got an honorable mention. I don't remember. And then I won it in um, middle school. Yeah. You know, what? if we can dig up those essays, that would be. No, no, no. I remember what I wrote in middle school. Oh, my gosh. Um, You can go to the Carson Mall if you want to shop till you drop. (laughs) And then the International Printing Museum. And that's why I remembered because there's nothing. (laughs) And I think I mentioned I literally went on the Wikipedia and was listing things off. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The Gwen Stefani came here and oh yeah, <laughs> our drill team to film the Hollowback Girl music video. Yeah, that's our claim to fame. Something that is like could be some food for thought is that <laughs> Carson is like I don't know if it's the only, but it's one of the very few cities where the black medium income is higher than the white median income. So just thinking about like what you said and how it's like. Like it's like classes probably plays a role, but also it's like primarily like race mm-hmm. that is the big yeah. thing. Huh. It's very interesting. Yeah. I didn't know I had this many feelings about Carson mm. until I started this project. Yeah, no, actually, like me too. Like, um, like you telling me that history mm-hmm. is so interesting. Cause I guess when I think of like these immigrant towns things feel very new yeah when I think of history I think of like oh like my grandparents and world war ii and things like that mm-hmm. and those are like histories we don't have access to just because like we're first generation yeah Americans. so just like thinking about like the trajectory of this city and how like all that history is something that I'm like living the consequence mm-hmm. of it at least is something that I have been living like almost every day of my life is like very interesting like um I knew a little bit about like us being unincorporated for a while, but I didn't know how much that played into like our whole position as like yeah. this real um, thing. Yeah. No, and it it made my beef with Torrance valid because <laughs> I yeah, yeah, it's more in high school we always called like them like oh the Torrance kids because there was yeah. always like an air of something different, but now yeah. we're not, because yeah. they were literally breathing different. Yeah, they are breathing different. <laughs> no, I read something that was like for one group to be privileged another group has to be disadvantaged and we were the one being disadvantaged yeah that's so real (laughs) sorry Torrance no it's yeah I know but now now that I know the history it's a little bit more substantiated all the people from Torrance that I respect and that I'm friends with understand yeah (laughs) so if you're from Torrance and you don't understand I probably don't (laughs) never mind I do respect you but that's so interesting yeah yeah and I don't know like I don't know if there's like some connection to like the extremely unique racial history of Carson Uh with like ties to like this industrial mecca yeah Yeah. no yeah because there's oil all around LA like you know yeah like uh, what's it called La Brea Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you don't see that there I'm just saying yeah it's just like specific communities yeah totally wow and like what communities are allowed to do that you know and like I remember reading or like I think I was listening to like a speech and they were talking about how people of color pay more for electricity Mm. um just because of a lot of these like structural issues but they're like the ones in communities where it's being made Mm. and like they're living through the consequences of that Mm. 
And then, okay, so one question I have for you is like, do you think like being a part of a family of immigrants, have you felt left out from like the larger environmental movement? Like, do you feel like you were never like welcomed or like had an introduction to that? I don't know. Yeah, I I definitely think so. Um, I think like one of the reasons why the Patagonia like national advert that happened, Mm -hmm. I think one of the reasons why like it surprised me so much is because they it felt so dissonant yeah like it I I had never conceptualized this brand to be associated Mm -hmm. with my experience and you know like Patagonia is like a very mainstream interpretation of environmentalism Mm -hmm. so like to to have those two like very like Silicon Valley yeah yeah I mean totally like going to the school I go to Mm-hmm. Um, everyone here wears Patagonia, and has, like this- <laughs> you just pulled a. Um, I go to a school in Boston. Oh my god, that's so annoying of me. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that could be a lot of things. That could be a lot of things. Obviously, like uh, I just being exposed to like this version of environmentalism. Uh-huh. I never. To me, it was. It felt like a little more romanticized because mm-hmm. it was about like to me like people certain people like having a reconnection with like nature mm-hmm. so like yeah. you know the whole granola culture like hiking going on camping trips and things like that mm-hmm. and that never felt like relevant to my experience yeah and so yeah so because that's like I guess how I conceived of like the environmentalism I just like was never really interested on the basis yeah. of just like being interested in like those activities but um yeah but I think like when we talk about environmentalism in these com- in our communities like it's yeah. not romantic at all and you're talking about like very ugly things mm-hmm. and it's not it's not very marketable I guess until recently yeah no it's not like we're trying to save the wetlands or yeah a bird and stuff yes like, exactly yeah I yeah the think- imagery the imagery is just like not as fun yeah because you're like okay let me so I'm thinking like if I'm like another person who doesn't live in this community like oh they don't want oil refineries in their community well where are they gonna go like you don't want to help us I don't know Mm -hmm. yeah totally like I had like I think I was lucky growing up to go hiking Mm -hmm. and like camping like occasionally just because of like some people Mm -hmm. that we grew up with and stuff and so I was able to like develop this kind of like natural love of the environment but I know that's not true for most people yeah that's like yeah that's very much not the experience of and also another thing the environmental movement has been like the larger movement historically has been very anti-immigrant I don't know are you familiar with the overpopulation myth and like yeah politics no oh yeah like the whole like it's almost like checks and balances kind of thing Mm-hmm. yeah like the government and the government like the population like checks itself through like disease or yeah other factors yeah that's like yeah that's pretty racially motivated yeah um, yeah and there's just like oh no it's not xenophobic it's not this and stuff because like the idea like the sierra club which is an environmental movement like very mainstream up mm-hmm. until recently was anti-immigrant and so their kind of philosophy was that people from poorer countries consume less Mm. and when they move to the U.S. they get richer and more like 
and I guess part of a more developed nation and they consume more. So we should not let immigrants into our country because yeah. they're consuming like us. And their position never was like, oh, maybe we as a developed country yeah. consume less. No. Yeah, <laughs> just like the way we talk about India and China sometimes also comes off like that. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, like why did why are we allowed to yeah expend all these like all this as much fossil fuel as we want for the development of our country but like when other countries do it it's like pure evil yeah no and especially because like china for example is like much larger than Mm -hmm. the u.s like more people so like their per person um impact is less it's Mm -hmm. just they have a lot more oh oh that's yeah and also like the U.S. exports a lot of its trash to India and to, like, other countries in, like, the global south. Yeah. And I don't know. And so it's just this, once you get into it, it's just, like, this never-ending, like, I don't know how to describe it, like, everything is awful kind of feeling. (laughs) Yeah, like, or even the rhetoric surrounding overpopulation and, like, the... I guess the ethics quote-unquote of like having children or not Mm -hmm. in terms of like consuming energy and like having like I don't know I guess especially as like a a Latina that Mm -hmm. always felt a little bit to me yeah oh yeah you know like I'm like I can't relate to people who talk to talk about environmentalism like this because it feels very like pointed yeah because you came from a large family and yeah exactly like I come from a very big family um I promise you like you're whole family impact is much less than like someone like a kardashian yeah exactly like Like, one kardashian is like (laughs) five ten times your whole entire family yeah yeah like the amount rich people spend on lawns and like powering a much bigger house Mm -hmm. Um, or like leonardo dicaprio like going making don't look up like this very kind of patronizing movie and then like flying in a private jet and like yeah i was gonna say that like my family has flown on a plane like collectively mm-hmm. like our whole entire family maybe like less than 10 times yeah yeah like ever and there's people who like back and forth ping pong ping pong yeah so yeah totally like I I always did feel like that rhetoric is like very I don't know like not yeah, like, and like one of the biggest things like your environmental impact is like how big your house is like mm. like having a small house and consuming less is like better for the night but mm. I don't know and like that never like it's always like oh trash plastic straws like all kinds of I don't know and obviously like there is like a push in the recycle do you remember like reduce reuse recycle yeah <laughs> when they yeah like people. yeah it's like very much trying to force it on like an individual level mm-hmm. and what we're facing is like like the result of like trying to exploit and destroy the planet and like exploit like marginalized communities yeah yeah and like you said like if we are talking about like individual behaviors people from the global north are actually probably going to have to amend them a lot more than people than the global south in terms of like degrowth and Mm -hmm. you know not feeling the necessity to like live in a huge house Um, I'm just thinking about like my living situation like growing up in a smaller space and honestly like it was fine like yeah like I didn't didn't really have a problem with it yeah um so yeah so like just 
and like also in terms of like consumption like the need to have like so many clothes Mm -hmm. um these are like we can amend these behaviors like um before you know like you had like maybe one outfit per season tops yeah yeah and that was normal so yeah so i think it's it is gonna like take a lot more like behavior changes from like people in the united states than it is gonna take like behavior changes from like you know people in the global south like having babies or whatever people are saying no i think like obviously it's not the individual but like the individual can do a lot especially if you're living in the north Mm -hmm. and just like using your i don't know consumption wisely i guess what i would say but also realizing it's not your fault but i don't know we're kind of seeing i think like a move towards like green capitalism Mm. it feels like we will see surface level changes without attacking like the root causes and the people and like people who are most affected by it like Mm -hmm. people who are exploited under this system even if like regular capitalism are still going to be exploited even if we move to like a green capitalism of like I don't know do you get what I'm saying yeah totally like people are not willing to give up the pro the capitalist project I guess like yeah um yeah the way that it's being like reoriented um is interesting like I'm sure I'm sure like all the companies that are wreaking havoc on Carson have some sort of environmental impact page on their website like I'm pretty sure that's Um, actually a fun idea I want to say yeah like I'm almost I know like BP is that the one Mm -hmm. the one with like the green and the yellow flowers logo thing Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure they have like an environmental like net zero the first I looked up BP the first ad was BP net zero by 2050 yeah exactly so like yeah th- that's like very interesting like that shift mm-hmm. um yeah and then also I guess that relates to just like the, the the national attention that we're receiving yeah yeah is is pretty interesting no and and I think like people there is like an analysis of the realm like people like know like oh okay capitalism has destroyed our planet and um like the solution is like oh more sustainable capitalism and I don't know if that's very naive I guess mm-hmm. or just not willing to think bigger or like people I remember reading something that like people um dream of like the end of the world because they're more likely to imagine the world ending than capitalism mm. oh yeah that's Mark Fisher yeah exactly and so that's kind of like what we're kind of seeing right now and yeah. I don't know I don't know what the solution is like even I think the problem isn't like whatever like economic system we have it's just like exploitation mm-hmm. I feel like that happens across the board like just what capitalism has become I'm also thinking about this in terms of consumption mm-hmm. like there's just no way to sustain this mm-hmm. even in a quote-unquote green way yeah like yeah I, I don't know I've been thinking about that like quite a bit lately and just like movements and how much they rely on like the sustenance of capitalism like uh, like obviously bp i'm sure they have a stake in like capitalism continuing because um Mm -hmm. it like is what their corporation is based off or thrives off of and things like that yeah and also like this is probably off topic but like from a labor standpoint like Mm -hmm. there's just like a lot of ethical concerns with like labor with the capitalist project and i'm sure that like ties with like 
like our, the the consumption of like people's consumption and how much that's tied to I don't know like there's just no way to sustain like this level of consumption yeah um, both like in terms of products but also I guess in terms of energy which I guess is the same thing mm-hmm. um there's no way to sustain this like without polluting the planet severely and like exploiting like half the other half of the world yeah and I think like what you said about labor like labor is not often considered mm-hmm. in um environmentalism like you know a lot of vegans are like oh cruelty free but like what about yeah. people that picked your um your vegetables like are they being exposed to pesticides are they being paid for yeah exactly it's like there is n- almost nothing that is not touched by exploitation or made by exploitation. yeah and again that's like another reason why like I guess racially I, I felt like not very compelled by like the current like brand quote-unquote of environmentalism mm-hmm. it's just like has not been relatable to my experience like I think like a big facet of like the whole rhetoric of environmentalism is also like veganism Mm-hmm. like you were saying and uh you know just reading the things I have read or the experiences of like my family who's like a lot of people they come from like farm workers or mm-hmm. you know people who harvest things like my grandpa was a or my great-grandpa was a bracero mm-hmm. like and hearing about those experiences and how like um if anything like vegans getting into quinoa is like worse Raising the price yeah worse for people in the South America Worse for mm-hmm. workers in South America who have to like meet a much bigger demand now. Yeah. Yeah. And, th- and those kinds of things. It's like, also, yeah. Like the fact that these like, these are staple ingredients. I mean, these staple, these superfoods are being like, uh, the d- because of demand and like, I guess the market or whatever, the-, the prices are out of reach for like communities who previously had them. Yeah. And just thinking about like food deserts and like, and how like these were probably like one of the few foods that were like accessible to them and healthy, nutritious. Mm-hmm. and relatable to them in like a cultural context how they're like so out of reach now yeah yeah that's something interesting to think about and yeah like we were saying like um that's where like I I feel like there's a little bit of a dissonance between like what the environmental movement is and like mm-hmm. what it actually like what it should be yeah um yeah so I guess that's like I that's like probably like why it's been like not super compelling of a movement to me no I think that's something I've been exploring because like for me it was something that was kind of natural but I I understand why people in my community didn't get it didn't click for them Mm -hmm. because like I think specifically like um we're both Mexican right so I was vegetarian since middle school Mm -hmm. and like my parents didn't really get it because like they're not many vegetarians in Mexico and I think I'm the only one in like my larger family who it is Mm -hmm. because like food is kind of cultural and it's also like food is made differently in Mexico Mm -hmm. than the U.S. so there's not that necessarily like in Mexico people are a lot more connected to their sources of food yeah there's like a lot less of an ethical like confrontation like within themselves Mm -hmm. um there's less of a need for that I guess yeah and the food just tastes better like it's fresher yeah and I think if I lived in Mexico now I don't I feel like I would and if I knew where the food was coming from like I would be less likely or like mm-hmm. or maybe more compelled to eat meat if anything yeah because totally. I knew if it was coming like I don't know that's just a thought I had yeah yeah um, yeah because I mean killing animals is like a whole other ethical conversation mm-hmm. but I I do know like a lot of vegans and vegetarians are like compelled to change their lifestyles just because of like the su- the food supply chain and how like awful mm-hmm. it is yeah and that I guess, was like, like for me yeah and just like how bad it is for the environment and things like that and I guess because like there's that 
exists to like a much lesser extent in Mexico. Yeah. Where usually your meat comes from like a local butcher who owns a cow or something. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like, yeah, less of like an ethical conundrum and people are like, yeah, like just don't really understand. Yeah. Yeah, because like, I always kind of considered like just like the um, like commercialization and just like the um how do I explain it? Like just like expanding it so much mm-hmm. was my problem with it. Not necessarily like I don't know. Yeah. And maybe that makes me a bad vegetarian, but I don't know. I'm actually kind of a horrible vegetarian, but that's another story. Yeah, like I was gonna say, like I I think like uh choosing not to kill an animal is like ethically like sound. That's a pretty good argument. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just like other dimensions of vegetarianism that like probably draw people away from it. Yeah. And I think like a lot of that has to do with like this kind of sense of like elitism and Mm -hmm. just like like yeah. the way that these issues are posi- positioned makes it so it's not yeah. accessible, I think. I think what's interesting about the relationship between vegans slash vegetarians and like people of color or immigrants is that like vegans and vegetarians, at least American ones or ones in the global north, have like a sense of entitlement about their food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, growing up probably in the communities that we grew up or how our parents grew up, like you, you're just supposed to eat what's in front of you, like yeah because food could be scarce and you don't know when you might see meat the next time mm-hmm. you don't know like the next time your family could afford this nice meal or so I feel like people are a little bit annoyed by like the entitlement like <laughs> yeah. yeah whether or not that's substantiated like I don't know but yeah I that's what I, I think like on the larger scale like vegans are pro- are mostly right about a lot of things yeah no I, totally I, I think it's just like the delivery I hate to be one of those people but it's like you're trying to it's a very hard ask for people because it's not like something that everyone can do yeah realistically and if you go about it in a way that's annoying yeah <laughs> it's like yeah. I don't know I've, I've run out of words to say but yeah you know what I mean like no one's gonna listen to you yeah like I was saying like I don't really think there's an argument against killing animals is wrong (laughs) i'm like i mean true like yeah the way that we kill it yeah can't really say anything but yeah (laughs) it's not about yeah but they're like i think that's like totally ethically sound and it makes sense (laughs) it's like other aspects like you said like yeah if i was a better person i would be a vegan but i'm not and it's hard it's hard being me it's hard being you it's hard being (laughs) literally yeah i don't know i just i think like for our parents like they have so many things to worry about that they weren't necessarily consider considering like where if the animals that they were eating were exploited because they themselves are exploited at their works. So mm. I don't know. See, I just turned it around. That's true. That's true. No, I'm like, true. why should I care about this animal? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a horrible thing to say. No, I'm just kidding. That's true. I don't know. No, I get that. I get that totally. Like, obviously, like your own exploitation is gonna <laughs> yeah I always think about it like what is my own explo- exploitation because I never like I don't know you know what I mean I think once I started uncovering like our city's history and stuff and like learning more about like what it was I was like oh maybe that was kind of um not good at the yeah <laughs> yeah and I don't know I think what you said about like just reframing I guess what your your childhood narratives was very interesting and I think I like that way of thinking yeah (laughs) 
that's the that's history baby like yeah no that's a very i think very compelling uh argument to get people into history mm-hmm. yeah because like of course like this is all very personal mm-hmm. you know like yeah, we're, you we're talking about these themes and like these grand you know statistics and mm-hmm. all these things and big ideas but at the end of the day like this is also like just very much about like a personal like yeah. a childhood you know being children in this place no because I think like why I started this project was like I wanted to make a podcast about the amendment but about people mm-hmm. like, who were living there and like not about necessarily about statistics and like, yeah just like hear from them are there any environmental disasters either like structural like industrial or like climate induced that you remember so this could be like refinery fires the smell the city turning power off during heat waves oh my god I totally forgot about that I remember you tweeted about that that's why I asked the question I was so mad okay first of all yeah um yeah like who they choose to afford like for a city that is so instrumental in like sustaining America's energy yeah the fact that America's energy the fact that we don't even get like a crumb of that Mm -hmm. and when there's like you know electricity things or some type of like um issue with like this the chain the supply chain of like these resources like we're the first ones to be cut out yeah um during a heat wave yeah so like what happened basically is that they cut our electricity for several days Mm -hmm. several days during a heat wave and you know people had to shell out like hundreds of dollars for a generator so they could just keep living so like their food wouldn't go bad so they could use like you know different medical devices just a myriad of things. And I remember like going to the local Target and like charging my phone there. Yeah, no, it was really bad. It was yeah. very hot. And it was so hot. Yeah, it was just like this huge heat wave and people were, you know, outside all day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that was, like, yeah. What you just said about like the fact that we are the people that like supply the power just because like we live there, you know? Yeah, yeah. We're so- paying the price of that. And like we don't get like better energy and we don't get better treatment for that I'm yeah not like we're better than everybody else but I'm like I'm just saying like why are we being treated worse than everybody else? yeah no exactly yeah we just want to be a tiny bit more equal that's it yeah exactly like everybody yeah. wants to just be treated as a white man okay that's all we want. yeah because you know the, the issue was resolved within the day for yeah. other for the neighboring communities mm-hmm. um but for us it was you know like almost a week of no power and then of course like probably several refinery fires in my life yeah so- no, I just like right now I was realizing just so many times in elementary school that we couldn't go outside. Yeah, yeah. We had to have lunch in the auditorium room. Yeah, we did. And that's kind of like I feel like that's terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to describe that. Just like little because we were little kids and we weren't allowed to like play recess just because there was like a fire, like in, not just any fire, a refinery fire. Yeah. even like conversely the fact that we had to like in high school like even having to have pee outside and like breathe more like so close it was kind of like funny to me like in that sense like like dang like my lungs are work are overworking to breathe even more of this bad air yeah oh that's another thing that's probably like all I think all four of my sisters have asthma oh my god and me included I have asthma my yeah young, all the all my all my younger siblings have my asthma. brother has asthma totally super common like mm-hmm. in Carson. no like 
the statistics are like insane yeah no um just so many people like Carson have asthma yeah no I, I yeah. <laughs> like when people have to run the mile <laughs> I'm sure we did I'm sure like we're like the worst national average like yeah it's like I I don't know I never really thought about it from that angle the fact that we were making like kids run in polluted air mm-hmm. like I don't know longtime listeners well, no, that when the smell was happening in Carson, I went home that weekend and it was stinky. So mm-hmm. I, this was during the pandemic. So you also couldn't breathe that air that well. <laughs> so I went home to Carson and you couldn't breathe that air because it was smelly. Yeah. And I went back to Santa Barbara and there was a fire. Oh, my God. So it was like God did not want me to smell. That's so anymore. funny. Like with yeah. COVID, we can't win because if you yeah. go outside, you're still breathing polluted air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah honestly like how am I supposed to like I don't know <laughs> I want like a chart of like <laughs> our lung capacity COVID and no. like outdoor events literally yeah no like, I is think it worth it to just get COVID <laughs> at this point <laughs> instead of like going outside yeah no honestly like see that's one of the ways that vulnerable communities are more impacted by things like pandemic or yeah like climate change and stuff no that's exact now you're tying it back to I'm the- tying it back <laughs> yeah no we're that's- back on track exactly like the fact that we're even in this position and we have to like choose our battles <laughs> is is weird yeah I never thought of it like that see this is we're realizing things yeah it's like oh should I go outside and breathe the polluted air and maybe not catch COVID, or should I not breathe the polluted air? Maybe catch COVID. Uh huh. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. Or like, should I take this like unionized job where I'm breathing yeah. like refinery stuff every day, or should I like seek a lower paying job that doesn't protect my rights? Yeah, it's like a yeah, worker. yeah, yeah. And also, like, I remember hearing about like, um, like coal miners were talking about how like those jobs are very protected mm. and so like if we were moving away from coal like there would be like a lot of jobs that would be um lost that were like very unionized and that's not to say that we shouldn't move away from coal yeah but it's like when we're like transitioning we should also like protect like labor yeah makes sense because if not like we're not we're just exploiting it in a different way yeah that's so interesting mm-hmm. because labor like people like that kind of people power is like rooted in industry Mm -hmm. you know like a factory and like seeing it as like a family kind of yeah totally like and how we're gonna have to contend with like divesting from these industries while also like thinking about how do we keep the tradition of like making sure workers are working reasonable hours and getting paid well yeah and being able to negotiate their rights um this tradition that's so much rooted in industry how do we sustain that without like you know sustaining industry (laughs) yeah I think a lot of people frame the jobs thing as like a a secondary issue yeah yeah I think so like it doesn't matter like that human like concerns should be secondary but like that doesn't they're still like having that privilege and like choosing to disadvantage people does that make sense like I don't know how to frame that treating like the labor aspect of like environmentalism as something that doesn't matter mm-hmm. is very harmful yeah and that's and, how you lose poor people and like people yeah 
mostly I just wanted to like get at the bottom of like like I think you grew up like politically minded mm-hmm. and like aware but it you never I I feel like just because of the way that we grew up it never clicked that yeah I don't know what I'm trying to say like I think sometimes people forget that they're a part of an environment and I always forget that like I am part of the earth mm-hmm. and like the things that happen there like the movement that's so true and I, that's probably like what's that term anthropocentric no no the one that's like humans are centered in the universe or something yeah anthropocentric yeah yeah so like the way that we conceptualize ourselves and like nature is like two different concepts yeah not us we are like actively in an ecosystem mm-hmm. we are yeah and no. i think that's like the problem with climate change too is that we are i feel a lot of people are banking on the assumption that eventually technology will be such that we can just mitigate physical things yeah like physical like the nature will just not affect us anymore yeah like we're so like build like a dome yeah because we're so like powerful and intelligent yeah yeah I guess what I was talking about is because we're so alienated from our like place in nature Mm -hmm. we yeah I think me like who is politically minded like didn't pay as much thought to like my position in this environment and how Mm -hmm. um it affected me because our position is not one that is like nice and like mountains and yeah true true because like our position in the environment is the patagonia ad yeah (laughs) if you think about it i think that's like a great way to see it because like we're not (laughs) the sierra nevada we're like this company this like city is in trouble you know yeah exactly yeah (laughs) and it's not something you want to like I don't know. it's not glamorous it's not nice and it's not fun it's like yeah right you know trying to like restore that point of view of or, or it's like the, the exercise of like thinking of us in an in an environment like literally like scientifically you know yeah we are in uh, an environment <laughs> what yeah. are we just doing we live in a society we live in a society we live in an environment <laughs> okay but I think this is an actual point though yeah <laughs> no, because people don't think about it, especially yeah. like in cities. Yeah. Even though we're not technically, as, you know, but we're city in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Urban habitats. Yeah, urban. Yeah, exactly. Like we're just totally removed from that, so we don't even think about it. But but there are things to think about in regards to this, especially because like oh. the things that don't get discussed are like people who live in cities, reservations, like what's mm-hmm. happening there along the U.S. Mexican border, like you know things like that are not ever like are rarely mentioned in like the larger conversation and so if you have like an overemphasis on like overpopulation and like I don't know reusable bags it just you know like if you think about it like a lot of immigrants like just use the bags for like a lot of things and so like tote bags just don't make sense because you have to use that tote bag like a bajillion times yeah (laughs) i don't know i wish i had statistics but this is not this not you didn't come here to listen for statistics okay (laughs) i have a list okay (laughs) you're for stories you came for folklore like the whole the whole like meme about latinos using the containers <laughs> for salsa yeah no like immigrants you know how to reuse things yeah because we don't we can't afford tupperware exactly <laughs> well <laughs> yeah everything is reusable if you yeah use exactly it. everything is subject to like reuse if you're yeah like, yeah like also in like in terms of food like 
I mean, there's also like probably a religious aspect to this, but like food waste was seen as like abhorrent in my household. Yeah. Like it was seen as like extremely bad. One time I went to a buffet in Las Vegas, like, and my uncle, (laughs) he was so mad at me because I was, I got like all the desserts. I tried every dessert. He was, he was so mad. He didn't talk to me for the rest (laughs) of the day. (laughs) He was scared of you like developing a, an American sense of like. Yeah, that's so real. Even if you did eat all the desserts. Yeah, I did. Well, except one of them because it was bad. <laughs> but no, honestly, can we talk about Catholic guilt? <laughs> Catholic, that's what we need. For we need to weaponize Catholic guilt into saving the environment. That's so we start real. with Biden. That's so real. Yeah. I think we, we've been going around this the wrong way. I think we can get Biden to change because he is like our first Catholic, Catholic. since like john f kennedy right that's that's how we heal the nation <laughs> that's how we heal the nation <laughs> yeah okay any final thoughts <laughs> closing thoughts yeah i guess just pay more attention um even like on a personal level it can be very generative mm-hmm. yeah thank you so much for joining me it was a pleasure to have you and i hope everyone had a good time listening to this as i had a good time talking to Stephanie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that was awkward. Um goodbye everyone. Adios.